the leader of the unofficial opposition. Brian Lilly is on your side. Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Donald Trump rides again. What can I say? Uh, the world had said if Donald Trump had his way, we'd be looking at uh, World War III, nuclear war, North Korea. That's what was going to happen because of Donald Trump, right? It's just going to be, he's going to lead us to World War III. Hello, welcome to the show. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. How long have you been hearing that? How long have you been hearing that the American president responding to threats, including, um, well, missile tests, including the threat of a nuclear warhead being aimed at anywhere, anywhere in North America, and Donald Trump would respond to it? Oh, he's just ratcheting up the rhetoric. Can you believe that he's doing that? He's just uh, he's going to take us into World War Three. Wait a minute. Um. Wait a minute. He's responding to the guy that is launching missiles that is threatening to blow up cities across North America. Wow, you uh, listen to his rhetoric. He calls him Rocket Man. Yeah. And the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, had his own names for Donald Trump. And yet, what do we have? What do we have happening over the last 24 hours? We've got Kim Jong-un and the South Korean leader, the president, Moon Jae-in, coming together, holding a, holding a summit that you wouldn't have expected a few months ago, unless you believe that Trump might be forcing Kim Jong-un's hand, which is what he did. Meanwhile, are you hearing about this in the media? Well, you you were hearing about it, but you're also hearing you can't tr- trust Donald Trump on this. Look, is Donald Trump the sole reason that this is happening? No. Is he part of it? Absolutely. Does he deserve credit? Absolutely. Can we trust the North Koreans? Definitely not. We can't trust Kim Jong-un and the North Koreans because they have a history of going into agreements, then backing away from them, and not being truthful. So we can't actually say that we're going to be all that happy with them. But you know what? At this point, at this point, it's been more than 53 years since a a North Korean leader has gone onto South Korean soil. Sure, it was just the other side of the demilitarized zone. But that's a major step. Kim Jong-un went into South Korean territory. That is a major step. And we have to acknowledge that and we have to say that this is good. Will it end the way we want? We don't know and we won't know for several years. We thought when Madeleine Albright, Bill Clinton's Secretary of State, took them a bunch of basketballs that it was going to work out great. Well... 
right now we've got a situation that is reminding me of the fall of the Berlin Wall. I, I still remember to this day when I found out that the Berlin Wall was falling. Uh, my my late friend, um, sorry, just choking up a bit remembering that he's my late friend. My late friend Rob had uh, dropped me off at my parents' house. I was still, you know, finishing up high school. And he dropped me off and I went in and the Berlin Wall is coming down. The Berlin Wall's coming down. So I'm watching on TV as the North and South Korean leaders are coming together. And no, it's not the same thing as the Berlin Wall, as the fall of the Iron Curtain. It's not the same thing at all. Because this is being driven by leaders and not people power. Remember, the fall of the, the Iron Curtain was, it was young people wanted Levi's and to listen to pop music. That's what drove so much of it. That's not the case here. But Kim Jong-un knows that maybe the time is up. Maybe the time is up. I'm seeing people saying, oh, don't give Trump credit, it's China. Well, what about this? What about the fact that Trump started a trade war with China at the same time as he was putting extreme pressure on North Korea? And the Chinese, who are the benefactors for North Korea and Kim Jong-un, said, okay, wait a minute. If we give Donald Trump something, maybe he'll back off on us. Maybe he won't actually go after us if we give him North Korea. It doesn't matter to me how it happened. Donald Trump deserves credit for this. He's taking some of the credit for it today. As he says, he wants to solve the problem. I think the responsibility has fallen on the shoulders of the president of the United States. And I think we have, uh, I think I have a responsibility to see if I can do it. Well, can he do it? I think so, because good things are happening now. We will, I think, uh, come up with a solution. And if we don't, we leave the room with great respect. We leave the room and we just keep it going. Look, it's the old adage, trust but verify, right? Trust but verify. That's what Reagan said. And here's where Trump and Reagan come together for me. I don't think that Donald Trump is the great communicator the way Ronald Reagan was. But I'll tell you what the similarity is. The media it treated both presidents with disdain in their day. If you look at how the media treats Ronald Reagan now, they treat Ronald Reagan as some great sainted man. I'm old enough to remember what the what it was like during Reagan's time in office. He he was a he's an old man. He was crazy. Yeah, why is his hand near the button? This guy's going to take us to war any moment now. Why is he ratcheting up the rhetoric with the communists and the Soviets? Well, that worked, didn't it? It completely worked. It led to something that we could not have imagined, but that Reagan imagined. And right now, Donald Trump has imagined something that none of the rest of us could, that he could try and force the North Koreans into a deal. Will it work? Time will tell. But at this point, isn't it right to say 
let's take stock of what's happening. Let's take stock of the fact that we've got peace talks going on that we haven't seen in some time. Oh, I don't think he's playing. No, I don't think he's playing. And, and you know, it's never gone like this. It's never gone this far. I don't think it's ever had this enthusiasm for somebody, for them wanting to make a deal. And, yeah, I agree. The United States has been played beautifully like a fiddle uh, because you had a different kind of a leader. We're not going to be played, okay? Well, let's hope that the United States is not played. Let's hope that the international community is not played. Let's hope that the West isn't taken for a bunch of suckers because they have been for far too long, whether we're talking about North Korea or Iran or Syria or any of these thugs or any of the brutal dictators that show up at the United Nations and try and force their way on the rest of the world. They're taken for suckers. The West are taken for suckers. Not this time. Let's hope that's not the case. Time will tell, but I am optimistic and hopeful now. Do I reserve the right to say things didn't go well if North Korea turns out to be a bad actor? Absolutely. Could they be a bad actor in this? Absolutely. But when we've got a situation like this, I don't know why. When we look at how the The media treated the Iran deal that Obama negotiated that gave Iran a billion dollars for them to fund Hezbollah, for them to fund Hamas, for them to fund the the rebels in Yemen, to fund terrorism around the world. And they just kept saying, well, it's great, it's great, it's great. They wouldn't question it at all. I'm saying question this, be skeptical. But this is at least a step in the right direction. Let's be hopeful. Let's be hopeful with this deal. They did a tree planting ceremony. They held hands. The North Korean leader went into South Korea first. These are things that haven't happened before. Let's at least be hopeful. We'll talk about this later on in the show with Jeffrey Johnston, international affairs columnist for the Kingston Whig Standard. Uh, we're also going to check in with Candace Malcolm. She is a um, regular columnist for Toronto Sun and the Ottawa Sun. She's down at Roxham Road today. She, we're going to talk to her when she's back in Montreal, but she was down at Roxham Road. This is the border crossing, the illegal border crossing that's become a de facto border crossing between New York State and Quebec. We'll talk to her about what she saw there, and we'll talk about the Golden State Killer and the update today from police on what happened in the Toronto van attack the other day. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. If you're watching on Facebook Live, join us for the rest of the show, CFRA.com, or download the iHeartRadio app 2.0, always free, Apple or Android. If you downloaded the old one, delete it. Download the new one. Download it today. Insurgent, believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the news with Brian Lilly, News Talk 580 CFRA. May I have your attention, please? Brian Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. The number one thing you need to know right now the uh, hopeful air that exists due to the 
the possibility that we won't see nuclear conflict coming out of the Korean Peninsula. Remember, this was uh, just a few months ago, the possibility that anywhere in North America, including here in the nation's capital, could be struck by a nuclear weapon from North Korea. Today, U.S. President Donald Trump, after the summit between the leaders of the North and the South, saying he's hopeful that relations, relationships are building. Hopefully we're going to have great success. We'll see what happens, but hopefully we're going to have great success. So uh, President Moon and I are speaking, and uh, we're speaking very much with South Korea and with North Korea. Uh, the relationships are building and building strongly. Here in Canada, conservative foreign affairs critic, former Veterans Affairs Minister Aaron O'Toole, saying many Canadians, especially those that fought the Korean conflict, are going to be watching the process unfold and hoping for true, lasting peace in the region, even if they're skeptical. Canadians fought and died in the Korean War. In fact, just the other day, we celebrated the end of the Battle of Kapyong. 518 Canadians died in that conflict, so we've had a strong relationship with South Korea, and we'd like to see peace on the peninsula. Yeah, I, I think back to the stories that I heard from the late, great Peter Worthington. I'm honored to say uh, a former colleague due to my days at Sun and getting to meet Peter was, was an honor. Getting to interview him several times was an honor. And, and he's one of the guys that fought in the Korean War and you can see the photos of him out there uh, playing hockey on a frozen pond. You know, it, it's those guys that I think of. There are fewer and fewer of them every year. Story number two, it is the ongoing investigation into what happened on Monday in Toronto with the van attack. Homicide Inspector Brian Bolt today giving an update on the van attack that killed 10 people and saying that so far they have conducted more than 170 eyewitness interviews. Investigators have interviewed over 170 witnesses to date and have an excess of 100 interviews left to complete. More than 100 interviews left to complete. Have you seen the video that was released late yesterday of people jumping out of the way at the last moment? Truly terrifying. It's um, closed-circuit television video, security cameras and the like. People walking along the sidewalk. In one case, there was a woman walking south on Young Street, a woman walking north. The woman walking north noticed the van coming and yelled, get out of the way. They both scrambled up onto the uh, a grassy knoll, got out of the way of the van that's just barreling down the sidewalk. And then on another angle, you see people jumping out of the way and Thankfully, CTV News cut the video just before you saw them plow into somebody. It's just horrific. Horrific. Story number three. Silver and gold, or at least gold, missing from the Royal Canadian Mint. I don't know whose rectum it went into this time. You remember that story? The guy holding, uh, hiding, what do they call it, gold pucks in his butt? Well, more than $100,000 worth of gold has gone missing. Megan Shaw from CTV reports. Well, Michael, just a few years after another employee was caught stealing gold, another case, another investigation into an employee. Now, we've been told by a spokesperson that an employee has been let go from the Mint and that the RCMP has been called in to investigate after those two kilograms worth of gold went missing. Again, it's more than $100,000 worth. In a statement, Alison Crawford with the Mint says last month, as a result of robust internal inventory process, a small amount of gold went missing 
Two kilos of gold doesn't sound like a lot, but it's worth more than $100,000. Story number four. Police in Canada, Europe, the U.S., they've seized servers, data from Islamic State propaganda outlets. This according to Europol. Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale and his parliamentary secretary praising the work of law enforcement, Mark Holland, saying they took action against what he calls nonsense propaganda. We're very proud of the efforts that have been undertaken. Uh, This is a a success. There's a lot more to do, uh, but it's evidence of of how well we work with our international partners who are making progress on this issue. And story number five. This is something that affects all of us that uh, own homes. Two of Canada's biggest banks are raising their benchmark rates for five-year fixed-rate mortgages. TD kicked it off early this morning, upping their five-year fixed mortgage rate to 5.59%, up from 5.14%. And uh, why does it say two? Okay, so, but I, I talked to Frank Napolitano about this. We'll get into this later on in the show. I talked to Frank Napolitano briefly today. He said, don't worry about it. You can still get the discounted rate from the bank or you can deal with a mortgage broker like him or the guys that I use. They're all great. But you can still get discounted rates. Still a worrying sign that we want to keep an eye out for. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Uh, Coming up next, what you need to know about this update from police, both in terms of Toronto and the Golden State Killer. Brian Lilly. Don't worry. Everyone else will catch up next week. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Uh, Stephen Ellsworth, question for you. How'd the um, how'd the Vegas Golden Knights do last night? Did 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 they win? I'll put it to you this way: um, Did they win big? They had four goals in the first period. Mm-hmm. They won the game seven nothing, and not a single one of their goal scorers, <laughs> not a single one of their goal scorers, was forty goal scorer William Carlson. And wh- who did I pick? You can you can go onto the bulletin board. You can see who did I pick to win the, you the Stanley Cup. You Vegas was going pretty deep this year. And I picked them to win the whole thing. Look, I could be proven wrong. I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here gloating, but people thought I was crazy. Your odds are looking good right now. And, well, who they, who did they beat 7 nothing last night? San Jose. Who had, San Jose. No yep. slouch. Yeah, they're a stingy defense, too. I don't know hockey. Stingy defense. They gave up seven goals. Yeah, but in the series before, uh, I think uh, Vegas scored more goals than the, their previous opponent did the entire series. I uh, I don't know um, hockey the way you guys do, but I just try and sit there and look. I It's the same thing I do when I look at politics. I take all the emotion out. I'm like, okay, how's this going to play out? It's why I can pick that Trudeau's going to win or Harper's going to win or, you know, whatever. Take your emotion out of it, and you do a lot better picking. Yeah, I know his predictions are kind of your forte. Yeah, I have fun doing that. Uh, none of us could have predicted what happened on Monday in Toronto. And police there 
are still trying to piece together exactly what happened and why it happened. I mean, you heard my chat with Joe Warming or Evans chat. Sorry, I play, I just played the clips, uh, the cl- uh, the chat with uh, Joe Warmington yesterday. You know, Joe describing how this guy, Alec Manassian, had gone into jail and, and was just acting as if man, it's no big deal. He he wasn't bothered by the fact that he had killed people. He was bothered by the fact that he wasn't dead. You know, he was talking about that when he went into the into the jail with the people that, that were there. And, of course, there's inside of a jail, when you, you come in, there's obviously lots of different kinds of people, the ones you would think, and there's other people that you wouldn't think, from clergy to medical to cleaning staff to police officers to CSIS to whatever. And... And this guy's chatting away to people. And, and the other thing that was told to me was the, the indifference that he had about the attack and also the lack of remorse. I mean, just basically matter of fact, and almost if he had any regret, is that he didn't get taken out by the police, thanks Ken to Lamb. Kenny Lamb, the great cop from 32 Division, because without him, I mean, most I think would have taken him down. Um, he was really bitter about that. Bitter about the fact that he wasn't killed by the cops. And you could tell, if you've seen the video, widely available on social media, widely available on news websites, this guy wanted suicide by cop. That's what he wanted. It's why he was holding up his um, uh, cell phone and snapping it like he, you know, it's a gun and yelling, I have a gun in my pocket, I'll shoot. <sighs> but today, Toronto police... Holding an update. Homicide Inspector Brian Bolt saying, I'm sure he hears this a lot. Why isn't it being called terrorism? Well, it's the same reason that I've given you. It's not that I don't agree that what happened on Monday in Toronto was terrorism. But can you charge somebody under the the very defined criminal code definition of terrorism and make a charge stick. Homicide Inspector Brian Bolt says, uh, or Brian Bott, sorry, says no. Certainly the evidence that we have from this investigation does not meet the threshold for Section 83 of the Criminal Code, terrorism. Certainly the evidence that we- So it doesn't meet the definition. So it's going to be difficult to charge somebody with terrorism and make it stick. Now, to be charged with terrorism in Canada, it's got to be an act of violence carried out for religious, political, or ideological reasons. I I don't think that we've got a court that would recognize one man's hatred of women as an ideology. And at this point, that's the best working theory that we have. I have not heard any other information come forward other than this guy was the so-called incel, the involuntary celibate, angry that women uh, weren't interested in him, and that that's why he carried out the attack. If we get a, a different interpretation of what this is all about, I'm willing to hear. So far, we don't have that. Now, police are looking at other social media clues. They have... Yesterday, they brought in people, uh, they wouldn't even describe what they were. They were not cops, but I'm guessing they were some kind of 
tech experts at extracting data. They were brought into the home of Alec Manassian while they had the search warrant underway. What they found, well, we'll find out at trial, I suppose, or in the uh, preliminary inquiry. But as far as eyewitnesses, police uh, saying, again, Homicide Inspector Brian Bott saying they've completed 170 interviews and they're not done. Investigators have interviewed over 170 witnesses to date and have an excess of 100 interviews left to complete. They've also got uh, an update on the number of uh, people that are injured that they are speaking to. As a result of speaking with witnesses, we've identified two additional victims um, that received injuries but were not transported from the scene on Monday. Um, I can advise the accused will be charged with two more counts of attempt murder as next court, court appearance. Victim number one, Ji Hun Kim, 22 years of Toronto. Victim number two, So He Chung, 22 years of Toronto. Victim number three, Geraldine Brady, 83 years from Toronto. Chol Min Kang, 45 years, Toronto. Anne Marie D'Amico, 30 years from Toronto. Betty Forsyth, 94 years, Toronto. Manir Nadger, 85 years of Toronto. Dorothy Sewell, 80 years, Toronto. Andrea Braddon, 33 years from Woodbridge. Boitus Renuka Amarasinga, 45 years, Toronto. Just horrifying hearing the names of the victims read off. Uh, coroner Dirk Heyer explaining why it took so long to get those names out there. Our office, as well as the Toronto Police Service, have been contacting and speaking with all of the families to provide confirmation and answer their questions that they have about how their loved ones died. We wanted to make sure that they knew and they were the first ones to know all of this information before today. I can't imagine how difficult the situation has been for them. I have had words with more than one family and heard their concerns and respected their concerns, and they have been nothing short of stoic. Can you imagine what it would be like to believe that one of your loved ones was dead or injured and then find out the reverse? And that's what they went through just recently in Humboldt. And I think that what happened in Humboldt, where you had cases of mistaken identity, I think that delayed the release of all the information because they wanted to be sure Again, Coroner uh, Dirk Heyer saying that uh, families have been through an unimaginable, they've suffered unimaginable tragedy. Everybody has suffered a terrible tragedy, a total, totally unexpected, unspeakable tragedy that is unimaginable to everybody. Uh, I, I, your loved one walking down a sidewalk, struck down. Uh, Toronto is um, not the only place dealing with Horrible and sick updates from police. In California, they're getting updates on a killer that goes back decades. The Orange County, or or sorry, the Golden State Killer. The Golden State Killer arrested. He's in his 70s. He's a former cop. He used to call his victims before and after either sexually assaulting or... 
flat-out rape them or kill them. More than 50 rapes, more than a dozen murders. Orange County District Attorney Tony Rakakis talking about Joseph James D'Angelo, the man they now believe to be the gold, uh, Golden State Killer. Joseph James D'Angelo has been called a lot of things by law enforcement. He's been called the East Side Rapist. He's been called the Visalia Ransacker. The original Night Stalker and the Golden State Killer. Today, it's our pleasure to call him defendant. That's an odd pleasure, but I understand where he's coming from. Uh, Anne-Marie Schubert is the Sacramento County District Attorney. She says that D'Angelo is facing charges of upwards of 50 rapes. There were upwards of 50 rapes, 12 murders. Crimes that spanned 10 years across at least 10 different counties, northern, central, and southern California. And the whole time the guy is a cop. That's what's bizarre about this. He was a cop. He might have been Part of an investigation into this would have or or at least would have known what was being discussed, what was being looked at. He would have had inside knowledge of what they were trying to do to track him down. And he was able to use that to evade police until now. Again. Sacramento uh, County District Attorney Anne Marie Schubert saying that. It was incredibly difficult to find D'Angelo, given the breadth and scope of his attacks, given how they were dated. They were essentially cold cases. We were looking for a needle in a haystack, but we also all knew that the needle was there. By all accounts that I've read, it doesn't sound like D'Angelo... Put up a fight. It's almost as if he, the description that I have read, the descriptions that I've read of his arrest, it's as if he knew this day was coming eventually. Let's hope that if he is the man police and prosecutors believe he is, that justice is served even at this late state. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Getting an email from Guy saying, what do you mean the Mint has gold? I thought uh, Trudeau sold off all the gold. No, no. Okay, a couple things. The Mint and the government gold reserves, two very different things. Uh, 
the federal gold reserves are different than what the mint has. So the mint strikes coins that they sell to the public or on the international market. Um, we used to have gold reserves in this country. And it wasn't Trudeau that sold them off. It was Gretchen. And he sold them off, unfortunately, at a bargain basement price. If he'd held on to them for another five to ten years, we could have sold off, sold them off and made out like bandits. But, you know, just the way things go. So that's what it is with the gold. There is a movie coming out this weekend. I don't know about you, but if I don't see it this weekend, I'll be seeing it soon. Stones. That is a clip from the movie Avengers Infinity Wars. You know, I, I, I'm a sucker for action movies. I'm a sucker for the Marvel series around Avengers. I think it's fantastic. I thought it was great the other day. I was walking into the station and they had uh, manhole covers painted, sorry, per- people hole covers painted in Captain America's uh, shield and then Avengers written around. There was a bit of guerrilla marketing going on in the downtown core in the market. I just love these movies. And Richard Krause says, I'm not going to be disappointed if I go out or if you go out and see Infinity Wars this weekend. Uh, The thing that makes it interesting, though, is A, Thanos is conflicted. He knows that he's evil and he knows he's doing bad things, but he he sometimes has to give it a, a second thought. Is this the right move? Yeah, it is. And then he just goes ahead and does it. So he's got he's got more of a personality than most villains who are just, you know, absolutely evil. So the villains aren't pure evil, but there's more. There's a lot of interpersonal stuff. These movies, there's nineteen of them in total now, the Avengers movies. We've been watching them for about 10 years, and we have gotten close to some characters. We know their personality quirks. We know everything about a lot of these characters. Even like me, if you've never read the comics, um, I've seen all the movies, so I know about these characters. And I can tell you, and this is not a spoiler, and I will give you no more information after I say this, but there are a few actors who are going to be looking for work after this movie comes out. Wow. Okay. Actors looking for work. That means what? What? Maybe some people die off. I, I can't believe that there's been as many as 19 Avengers movies, but you think about it. You think about all the Iron Man movies. There were at least three of them. The Captain America movies, several of them, several Thor movies, several Avengers movies. There were Hulk movies. This has been going on. And the quality, I, I think the quality is fantastic. Look, if you're looking for something that's going to win an Oscar, this ain't it. If you're looking for something fun to go and watch and chew on popcorn and, you know, sip the bucket of Diet Coke, well, this is it. Matt Demers, by the way, Mr. Hollywood, agreeing with Richard Krause that this is a movie worth seeing, in part due to all the big names in this movie. There is... Whoa! Over... You're writing a little novel over there? It's something... It looks like a phone book. 
It's like uh, something like 30 people, because Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Don Cheadle, Tom Holland, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Tom Hiddleston. That's only half. That's only half the people. Those are some big names and some great actors. Now, the question is, did they go overboard? I think it'll depend on who you are, because it felt like five Marvel movies stuffed into one. Ew. So, in a sense, it's a it's a if you're a fan of Marvel, it's a dream come true because you're seeing these characters interact with other characters you didn't think you would, and your mind's being blown, and you're laughing, and you're smiling. But at the end, it's a little bloated. Okay, these are minor critiques because, guys, I really, really liked it. I don't know if I if I loved it as much as say Black Panther or The Winter Soldier or Civil War, but I really, really dug it. If Matt Demers is saying he really, really dug a movie. If you're saying, you know, there's so many great characters in it, so many great actors, might be worth going to see. Turn off your mind, relax, float downstream, as the Beatles said, and maybe chill out while watching a movie and forget about politics, forget about the world for a while. Not not just yet, because coming up next, Candace Malcolm, regular on the program, regular columnist for the Toronto Sun. She was, she's in Montreal right now. She was down at Roxham Road, the infamous illegal border crossing today. And we're going to check in with her. You can listen to B-Lil now or catch up with everyone else next week. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You've been hearing them talk about it in the House of Commons for days now. You heard Andrew Scheer get up and ask the prime minister about it the other day, the, other day, the border crisis. What's he doing to deal with this issue? And here was Scheer's question. This has been an issue for well over a year, but this prime minister has failed to take any concrete steps to address the situation. In fact, it was the prime minister's own words that encouraged this crisis to start in the first place. What was the Prime Minister's answer? Blame the Conservatives. They created massive backlogs and processing delays, which we're still working to fix. They want to know concrete actions. Well, we've invested $173 million, which include $74 million to ensure faster processing of claims. They've also muzzled border guards, and maybe that $173 million has gone into the temporary, quote-unquote, temporary, I'm doing air quotes. I'm the only person in the room. I'm still doing air quotes with my fingers. The temporary structures at Roxham Road, the infamous border crossing between New York State and the province of Quebec. Candace Malcolm is a regular columnist on these issues. She is with the True North Initiative. She's written a book on immigration called Losing True North. And earlier today, as it happens, as I'm trying to get a hold of her and say, Candace, you got this interesting article posted. Can, can you come on the radio? Uh, she said, well, actually, I'm I'm down at Roxham Road. A little bit bizarre, but thank you for the time tonight, Candace. Well, thank you for having me on, Brian. What brought you to Roxham Road? 
Well, Brian, I happen to be in Montreal this weekend to be at a conference, and, you know, it's close to Montreal. I'd, I'd been following the reports last summer of people lining up on the streets of Montreal to sign up for their welfare benefits once they had come through illegally. So I figured so close I might as well head down and take a look with my own eyes and see what they have set up there. So I went down, I crossed the border legally to, to New York State, drove up and around and saw what it looked like from the other side, from the U.S., and just so happened that while I was there, taxi pulled up, family of four jumped out, walked across illegally. About five minutes later, the same thing happened again. So there is a pretty steady flow of people crossing. I, we tried to do interviews with the RCMP, CBSA, but they were told that they weren't allowed to talk to us. So we didn't get any interviews, but we, we saw the story uh, in, in, you know, with my own eyes and, and um going to have a report on on what exactly it was that I saw coming out later on. All right. So let me ask you about them being muzzled in a moment. But first, let's stick with what you saw. So you went to both sides. Mm -hmm. Uh, Roxham Road is only a few kilometers away from a legal border crossing, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So we crossed at the legal border crossing. Um, It's set up there. It's a pretty major throughway of people going from Montreal down to New York so we, we went I, I've through. used it myself for leisure trips down there when I lived in Montreal. Yeah. So also yeah. interviewed, by the way, you'll like this. I interviewed Danny Coderre when he was immigration minister at that border crossing as he defended why the third safe country agreement was needed and had to be enforced. Wow, that's <laughs> ironic, isn't it? It really is because he became the uh, the poster boy for Montreal being a sanctuary city. Right. Well, that's sort of the issue. So you see this, you know, legal border crossing people, you know, doing everything legally the way that they're supposed to. It's a bit of a headache, to be honest. We told the um, border officials in the U.S. exactly what we were doing, my colleague and I. And, you know, they we had to talk to several people. We had to explain who we were, exactly what we were going down for, looking at passports, explaining everything about ourselves. And that's just, you know, the, the regular thing you're used to when crossing a border. Um, and it was interesting to compare that experience with going down, you know, just a few miles away to the experience of, of people who claim to be refugees that are, you know, asylum seekers. And, you know, it seems almost a lot easier for them. They just really walk across. They're told that what they're doing is illegal. They continue to proceed. And then they get, they get detained by the Canadian government. They get contained, detained by the RCMP who are there. But it's all set up almost like an official border crossing, even though it's an unofficial border crossing. So it's just bizarre to me that they don't apply the laws and the rules at that makeshift border crossing that's so close to the other border crossing. You know, they could easily do that. They could declare it an official border crossing. The Americans may dispute that, and it might make problems that way. But it would allow them to turn people back. Right now, I I feel for the RCMP because I've spoken to a couple of officers that have been sent down because they they've been rotating them in and out it's such a a strain on local resources that they've got to bring people in from other parts of the country to deal with this and that's probably one of the untold costs for the mounties who have better things to worry about than manning what has become a de facto border crossing they shouldn't be doing this but the the officers they don't like doing it but all they're allowed to do is wait until someone does cross the border and then arrest them. And you're, they're, yeah, you're they're, not, they're not allowed to turn them back. 
You're absolutely right. And we really got the impression, you know, we went over to the Canadian side, the Quebec side. We had a nice conversation with the few RCMP officers that are there. Great guys. You know, they're, they're working hard. They're doing the best they can. And it's not up to them. Even the decision not to be able to talk to the media. You know, they said, we wish we could talk to you. Why don't you call the higher ups and, and ask if, if you can make an exception or if we can talk to you. But we've been told that we're not allowed to talk to journalists, even though, you know, my job and your job, Brian, is to tell Canadians, is to tell a story to Canadians. So the fact that our government officials are preventing journalists from telling a story to Canadians really doesn't show any kind of openness and transparency that we should expect from this government. Let's talk about the fact that they are being muzzled now, because Justin Trudeau and the Liberals made a big deal about uh, Mean Steve. You know, that was the the, the nickname for Stephen Harper at CBC, the uh, the Liberal... um, House organ, uh, they called him Mean Steve, and you know he told scientists you can't talk and blah blah and all of this, and yet they're telling the border officers who used to be able to talk to media, you can't talk. What's That's going right. on there? You you you've seen a leaked memo on this. Yeah, so it was interesting, Brian. There was a memo that was dated April 12th that came from the Department of Public Safety, so Ralph Goodale's department, and it was a a letter to CBSA officials telling them that only designated spokespeople can give statements or observations to the media. So basically just a memo cracking down on individuals who have been talking to the press talking to media, telling the individual officers that they're not allowed to speak to the, to the media. They're not allowed to even provide their observations of what, of what they're going through or what they've been going through. So this is really a crackdown on individuals being able to explain to Canadians what is going on. So we only get it from one official source. You know, we've all been... We've all heard the excuses that Justin Trudeau repeats over and over again in question period that, that don't really get into what's going on. They don't really answer the questions at depth. They're just, uh, they just sort of blame the conservatives. Surface-level talking points, exactly. And, you know, that was my experience today. I wanted to ask the individual RCMP officers, you know, what is it like to be doing this day after day? How many people come through? What is the process? How is the experience? You know, what are all these buildings that have been built around here? What, are, what, is that, what is that shed over there? What are these vehicles for? You know, just asking questions. And they have a very strict um, order not to be able to communicate whatsoever. So, you know, especially for a government that ran on openness and transparency. When it comes to this issue, which, you know, Brent, I could tell that the CBSA officers and the RCMP officers wanted to talk to me. I could tell they had opinions and that they had things that they wished they could tell me. They even said, they even said, we wish we could do an interview. But we, you know, I, I don't blame them for not. They don't want to risk their jobs. They don't want to risk you know, doing something uh, that might be able to get tracked back to them. And it's just unfortunate because this is a really important issue, and Canadians across the country care about this. I I get people that reach out to me all the time. They say, Candace, I, you know, I don't agree with you on every issue, but I appreciate that you're digging on this issue and that you're trying to uh, pull out the truth. And, you know, this memo, Brian, no one reported it in the English media. It was in the Journal de Montreal in French language, and it didn't get picked up by anybody, not by the CBC, and, you know, not by, not by anyone. So we translated it and put it out today. But again, it, shows, it just shows a lack of willingness to have a discussion when it comes to the illegal immigration that's happening along our border. Well, when Justin Trudeau says openness and transparency, do you want to know what I hear? You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, I just hear that line from Princess Bride over and over again when he says openness and transparency. 
How many buildings are down there? How many permanent, semi-permanent structures are there? So there was one building that was in the process of being built. It wasn't completely finished, and it was a pretty large building. Um, I Again, I asked what it was and what was being put in there, and we didn't get a response. Alongside that, there was about three or four large tents. There was a, a trailer. There was a truck that looked like a moving truck. And then there was just a whole bunch of different uh, vehicles that were set up along there. So, and, and then also from the United States side, from the New York side, they had filled in some infrastructure. So it used to be a ditch that went down, Brian. They filled it in, um, created sort of a walkway so that the migrants wouldn't have to, you know, do anything that could be dangerous. So they, they set it up to make it easier um, to, to cross in from that road, uh, Roxham Road. I, I guess Roxham Road used to go through. It used to go straight through from New York into Yeah, there, there used to be a whole pile of areas like that. And if you go to Stansted Derby Line, uh, which borders Quebec and Vermont. You know, it was an, a town where the border ran through, and they've got a uh, an old public library where you've got tape down the middle. I mean, this is what the border used to be like, and it's not anymore. It hasn't been for decades. Right, uh, well, since 9-11, basically. Well, even before that, it, it had toughened up before that, but still, even more so since 9-11, and... Now we're just saying the border doesn't matter, and and I think that annoys an awful lot of people. Right, and you know, let me tell you, I was down there, I saw the people that were crossing illegally, and my heart goes out to them, it really does. I can't imagine what compelled them, what brought them to that point in their life where they would do that with, with small children, you know, with family. It, it's a tough situation, and, you know, the, the your, your heart does bleed for these individual people, but at the end of the day, Canada has laws, and we're a country of laws, and you know, you think of the people who are overseas suffering and waiting to, well, to get an opportunity. I, I have limited compassion there because my family lined up and came here legally. And I know your husband, Candace, and I know that his family lined up and came here legally. Mm-hmm. And nothing annoys immigrants more than finding out that the government's letting in a whole pile of people that aren't following the rules that they had to follow because they are strenuous rules. And, and, I, and I don't blame the country for having strenuous rules, but if you've got those strenuous rules and you're going to apply them to me and my family or Kaz and his family or any of the other millions of families that have done the same, then be consistent. And right now they're not. They're telling people, you know, I think of uh, my friend Daniel who had to jump through hoops to get his wife here. She'd been a student here, but she was a foreign exchange student. They met while they're students. They fall in love. You should have seen what they had to go through to prove that it wasn't just a marriage of convenience and get her into the country. And yet, you know, if she had just walked across at Roxham Road, no problem. Well, that's right. And I think that the reason that Canada's had such successful immigration integration in the past is because we've always had these rules that, you know, are universally applied. And Canadians like immigration, they trust immigration, so long as we think that there's integrity in the system. And what's happening down at Roxham Road, the combination of, you know, the the huge influx, the surge, it's already three times larger than last year. Last year was the highest year on record. The fact that that officials aren't allowed to talk to the public, that they're not allowed to talk to media, and the fact that Trudeau doesn't really have an explanation, and like you said earlier, he just goes back and you blame the conservative, blame things in the past when, you know, this is 2018 and things are happening today. I I think that there's a combination of things that are happening um, that could really have negative long-term effects. 
for individuals, so or for the country, I should say. And so, you know, even though I, I, you know, a lot of people might feel compassionate for the individual people, especially the kids that are that are being brought over through their parents. Ideas, you know, that's one thing. But at the end of the day, uh, the integrity of our immigration system and those rules and applying them equally, I think, is is more important to most Canadians. All right, Candice, thanks for the time. Uh, you'll have something out on this soon. Where can we find it? Yeah, so just the True North Initiative. You can find it on my social media feeds as well. Okay, Candace Malcolm joining us tonight. Thanks so much for the time. All right, thank you, Brian. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You got thoughts on this? Drop me a line, beyondthenews at CFRA.com. With Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. I can't believe that description of Roxham Road. Uh, they're not quite done one really big building. Um, what do you mean they're not quite done one really big building? It's. So they got all these portables, then they got this really big building, then they've got a ditch. There used to be a ditch there. I mean, Candace is right. Roxham Road, you look on the map, and if you know that area, that's kind of, um, a lot of people know the eastern townships. This is the lesser known, they used to call them the western townships. The name's kind of fallen out of use. Um, but it, the road would go straight through from Quebec into New York State. Yeah. Order, schmorder, whatever. It's long since been done away with, and there was a gully there. They filled it in so that it's easier for people to walk through. Then they've got these nice buildings with air conditioning and heating, and they got tents if you got to stand outside so you're not in the sun. It is madness. And then when Quebec says, "Okay, this is this is too much. We don't have room for people anymore. We don't have shelters." We are paying too much in terms of social assistance. You've got to help us. Their answer isn't, okay, we'll pay for the social assistance. Their answer isn't, we'll shut down the illegal border crossings. Their answer is, nah, you know, we we can move some people to Ontario. We can ship them there. I don't know if you saw the story out of Toronto yesterday, because that's where most people are going to end up going. They're not coming to Ottawa. They're going to Toronto. They're going down to the GTA. And the story yesterday, Mayor John Tory was saying, our shelters are full. And that's before the influx that Trudeau has promised. Mayor John Tory stood up and said, our shelters are full. And part of the reason that they are full is the spike in refugees. Because while we had 20,000 illegal border crossers last year, we went from... 10,000 people showing up at any port of entry, any border crossing, and claiming asylum. 10,000 just three years ago to 50,000 last year. That's on top of almost 300,000 people coming as landed immigrants. So we go from 10,000 to 50,000, and these are some of the most destitute people. Well, the, the real refugees are. Some of these other people are just economic migrants that were able to pay the freight to get here. 
through JFK on a coach bus up to beautiful western upstate New York and then walk across to Quebec. They're now filling shelters. In Toronto saying our shelters are full. Montreal saying our shelters are full. And Justin says, how dare you criticize any of this? You hate immigrants. You're a bigot. I don't think you are if you're upset about this. I think you're probably sane. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, Jeffrey Johnston from the Kinsonwick Standard will join us. I bet he's got some thoughts on Korea. on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, if you're old enough to remember... The Cold War. If you're old enough to remember the Berlin Wall coming down, then as you watch these two Korean leaders get together, you might you might be having flashbacks. I know I'm having a little bit of flashback. What about Jeffrey Johnston? He is the international affairs columnist for the Kingston Wake Standard, Friday regular on this show. And Jeffrey, thanks for the time tonight. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, I'm having some flashbacks to 1989. I was a graduate student back then. I just want to quickly, off the top, say uh, congratulations to my friend Patrick. He got his Canadian citizenship today. I drove up to the nation's capital. He invited me to the uh, ceremony and to share it with his uh, family and in-laws. And so I just want to say, Patrick, congratulations. You're a wonderful addition to the Canadian family. Congratulations to Patrick. I still remember my parents becoming citizens. So it's, uh, it's always wonderful, always a special time. Canada is a wonderful country. We should always remember that. It truly is. And uh, thankfully, we don't have Eastern Canada, Western Canada, but maybe that'll change with the fights that are going on right now. We'll see. But, you know, we've got this, you know, think back to to when we were younger, uh, Jeffrey. We we had East and West Germany. We had uh, the Iron Curtain. We had, um, you know, North and Southern Ireland seemed much more, separate than they are now. North and South Korea seems like the only real holdover. And it's still there, but yet yesterday they were getting together and holding a summit that many of us didn't think would happen. Here's a little bit of what they were saying through translators. As I walked over here, I thought, why did it take so long? Why was it so difficult to get here? We are not uh, a people that, uh, that uh, should be confronting uh, each other, that we are of the same people that should uh, live in unity. We have long waited for this moment to happen, all of us. And then, of course, Donald Trump saying that uh, he is hopeful that they will, uh, the peace talks will be different than previous ones. Oh, I don't think he's playing. No, I don't think he's playing. And, and you know, it's never gone like this. It's never gone this far. I don't think it's ever had this enthusiasm for somebody, for them wanting to make a deal. And, yeah, I agree. The United States has been played beautifully like a fiddle uh, because you had a different kind of a leader. We're not going to be played, okay? So, Jeffrey, where do you come down on this? Um, you know, I, I'm both hopeful and mindful at the same time, is kind of where I'm at. Hopeful that this could be like the Berlin Wall, mindful that 
North Korea doesn't have a great track record. Yeah, I, I'm of the same mind, um, and it does remind me of 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down. Now, but that meant the end of communism. Now, what we saw yesterday with uh, on the news last night with Kim Jong Un, the the North Korean communist dictator, crossing over through into the demilitarized zone, uh, and, and, and then crossing into South Korea. Yeah, and then crossing to South Korea. And then there was a moment today um, when uh, they, they shook hands and he briefly pulled the uh, South Korean leader into North Korea playfully. Now, this is highly symbolic. Today they also took soil from uh, North Korea and South Korea and planted, uh, uh, nourished a tree from the, the Korean War era. Now, the, the first significant thing to come out of all of this is that they've agreed to end, uh, officially end the Korean War. The Korean War, which actually was known as the Korean Conflict, was 1950 to 53. And on the one side you had uh, North Korea and China, on the other side you had South Korea, the United States, Canada, UN forces. And that that actually brought Canadian and American forces into direct combat with the Chinese. Uh, you know, Canadian forces were in life and death battles with the Chinese. So this was really significant. It was a, it was the potential for uh, you know a world war at that point. So it's really significant that they brought this to a close. Because uh, Chinese... I'm a short walk away from a Korean War memorial here in in the nation's capital. Yes. So and and more um, uh, Canadian soldiers died, lost their lives in that conflict than in Afghanistan. Um, it, this was the biggest Canadian military commitment outside of uh, uh, the First and Second World War. So it was very significant. So today, this, this declaration of ending the war is very significant, because in the past, um, for example, um, uh, the Bill Clinton administration, um, George W. Bush's administration, and the Obama administration offered um, uh, to end the uh, uh, the conflict between the two and offer them uh, all kinds of incentives if if they would give up their nuclear weapons and North Korea always refused so the fact that they've taken this first step is significant but the next big step Brian is the question of nuclear weapons and uh, will they actually dismantle their nuclear weapons and forego the use of nuclear weapons now last week as we talked about they they, they have decided to dismantle, North Koreans have decided to dismantle their nuclear test site. Now, this is flashy, but it's not really significant, because they've already tested um, atomic weapons, they've tested a hydrogen weapon, which is even more powerful than a, 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 a standard atomic weapon. They've also tested um, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. So they, they've already demonstrated uh, to the world that they possess these weapons. They, they, are they possess the technology, but also their test site, according to Sky News, The Guardian, Time, other media outlets are saying... You know, and, and this is all tough to verify because of the, the nature of North Korea, that their test site may have collapsed in on itself. Yeah, it probably did. There were several earthquakes um, after their uh, nuclear tests, and they were conducting subterranean tests. But the fact is they already have this technology now, and they don't actually need to test these weapons anymore. Um, and also, um, even during... Uh, uh, the Bush years, when uh, they supposedly had a deal, the Americans had a deal with the North Koreans. The North Koreans were actually secretly in a laboratory, um, secretly enriching uh, uranium and, and making a nuclear weapon. So you don't necessarily have to test these weapons to, to make sure that, you know, you, you've got the technology. They can do it in a laboratory, but they already have the, the weapons now. Now, I think what Kim Jong-un might be doing here is taking a page out of um, former U.S. President Richard Nixon's playbook. Now, back in the Cold War, as you remember, Brian, 
Nixon had this policy called um, triangulation. So uh, the United States was facing off against two communist powers, China and the USSR, the Soviet Union. And so what he did was Nixon tried to engage both and play them off against each other. Um, and I think what Kim Jong-un is doing now is doing his own version of triangulation, but it's a, even a little more uh, sophisticated. So now he's playing off uh, South Korea against China and against USA. Because, you know, uh, China is the uh, the big uh, uh, benefactor of uh, North Korea. Uh, North Korea gets a lot of its trade from uh, China, its energy, its food. But... Uh, they don't control North Korea because North Korea, uh, you know, has gone ahead and, and developed nuclear weapons against Beijing's advice, and Beijing doesn't want them having nuclear weapons. But they're afraid if the North Korean regime collapses, it will cause a major refugee crisis, causing um, millions of North Koreans to flood into China, causing uh, instability. And the Chinese do not want any instability. The Chinese regime, the communist regime, is all about stability. Because oh, but to- let, let me ask you about this as well, though. Uh, what do you think of the theory that the Chinese are exerting pressure on North Korea because of the trade war with Donald Trump? And they figure, okay, we give Trump and the Americans something, they back off. No, I don't think that's true at all. I don't. I don't think uh, Kim Jong Un recently traveled to China by uh, a heavily armored train because he never flies and his father never flew. And uh, by all accounts, it was a, a very frosty meeting between Kim Jong-un and uh, President uh, Xi, the, the, the Chinese leader. Um, he, he basically you know, said, I'm going to, from what, all accounts, I'm basically going to do whatever I want to do. Um, there's really not a lot the Chinese can do to pressure them at this point, because as they say, they, they don't want instability in North Korea, because the worst thing for them is for it to collapse. So I think what he's going to do, uh, Kim Jong-un is going to do, is try to extract major concessions out of South Korea, the United States, and even China. So I think um, we have to be, you know, as you and I have said uh, back in the the Reagan days, uh, Reagan's model was always trust but verify, trust but verify. And we've got to assume that Kim Jong-un is going to, at some point, try to cheat on all of this, because he... uh, derives his power from having these nuclear weapons. And we cannot assume that he is going to abide by these deals because the, uh, that regime, he and his father, have never, ever abided by, their, uh, by, these, by these deals. Now, I think the best-case scenario for peace, Brian, would be um, slowly moving towards reunification, peaceful reunification of North and South. Now, as we saw back in 1989, when the Berlin Wall came down, um, communism collapsed. Um, West Germany, which was the, the democratic, uh, prosperous, uh, capitalist side, um, eventually... The side uh, with uh, Levi's. Yeah. Uh, uh, they wanted that, Levi's and rock and roll. And and Crown Royal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And and so what happened was um, the, the people in the East um, wanted a better life. And so uh, lots of investment dollars, once they, they were reunified, flew, uh, flowed into... East Germany, and and things got better, and Germany became uh, even more stable and a, in a and a bigger economic powerhouse. Now, if on the Korean Peninsula, if they did re- re- reunite and they were democratic, now th- there would be you know uh, the 
South would have to invest heavily in the North because, you know, as you've said on this show, they're malnourished up there. They're actually much smaller because they don't have any food. They don't have any infrastructure. So it would be major um, investments. But over a few um, decades, it could become a powerhouse if it were democratic. And we it, would be much safer if it were democratic. It, it really could. And, and, and trust me, it only takes a generation of eating vegetables and fresh food uh, to grow to six foot two. I, I'm living proof. There you go. You know, go, you know, go see my family over there. They're a bunch of short munchkins. Uh, <laughs> and that's because they don't have – well, they, they do now, but they didn't before. Uh, so in terms of, you know, odds, I don't know how to put this. I mean, w- do you want to bet on North Korea reneging on a deal? Uh, how do you do this? Uh, what are the chances that North Korea follows through versus – you know, does what they've done back to the t- days of Jimmy Carter, never mind Reagan or Bush the first, Clinton, Bush the second, Obama. I mean, these guys have a long history of being dodgy. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. We should avoid the big um, symbolic deal. We shouldn't expect President Trump to. Uh, walk away with a, a deal uh, in May or June that settles all of this. I think we should, he, he definitely has to go forward with that meeting. Uh, and by the way, I think the Trump administration has been a catalyst in all of this. Um, I think the fact that the Trump administration who did talk tough um, scared the North Koreans and realized that this was in, indeed a different kind of leader who which was is not willing where, to pull. Which is not where you were at the time. That's not where you were at the time, right? No. No, but this, I mean, in, in, the, in the fullness of time, I, I think the, the threat of military action has crystallized the minds uh, of the North Korean regime, and they realize that they actually have to take some bold steps. But I think what they need to do is take a whole bunch of smaller steps. And I think, um, so th- there should be a whole bunch of confidence-building measures. So one thing they need to do is uh, set up some sort of framework for um, inspections. There have to be inspections. If any sort of nuclear deal is worked out, there have to be unfettered inspections of all nuclear sites and suspected nuclear sites. Um, The international community is going to have to be uh, involved in this. There are going to have to be uh, protocols for dismantling these weapons and disposing of them. There are also going to have to be security guarantees for North Korea. There are also going to have to be probably some agricultural pacts and and additional uh, humanitarian um, measures and even economic investment. But there are going to have to be a whole bunch of little things. But in in the end, it's got to be, as Ronald Reagan said, and you and I have said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. Because this regime cheats all the time. That's how I treat every political operative I talk to. And that's on a small scale. But in the, in the end, Brian, I think um, that the, the, the best scenario is reunification under a democratic regime, and I think that would make uh, the world safer. I, I think so, and it would free I, – what's the population of North Korea? It would free millions of people that uh, have not known what freedom is like. And, uh, you know, by the way, um, some are saying that there shouldn't be any talk of human rights um, in these negotiations. I think in the beginning we should um, stay off the human rights, but um, down the line that is going to have to be part of it because the the persecution there is terrible. As we've talked about this with Christians, they're sent to to labor camps. They're they're killed. Whereas in South Korea, a huge percentage of the population, Presbyterian, huge. 
Uh, by the way, population of North Korea, 25.37 million. Almost as big as Canada. South Korea, 51.25 million. Yeah, it, it, those, those numbers are actually accurate because it's a, it's a closed state, so we don't know for sure. Yeah, but, you know, it gives you an idea that it's, it's half the size of South Korea, roughly, and, um, you know, it, it, a significant population. We're not talking a million or two people. We're talking tens of millions here that no, have what, never known freedom. Yeah, that's right, and that's why the Chinese are concerned, too, because they don't want 10 million people streaming across the border. They don't want that because that would create havoc, and China is a, uh, a communist country that's, that's built on dictatorial, totalitarian control. And if you had 10 million people flooding in there, it would, it would definitely upset the, uh, the apple cart and create political unrest in China as well. So they don't want that. So the Chinese are sort of nervous about all this. I don't mind the Chinese being nervous. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey? Well, it's not a bad thing. Good talking to you as always. Thank you, Brian. Jeffrey Johnson, international affairs columnist for the Kingston Week Standard. You can read his latest piece on the Rohingya and how women and children suffer the most. It's uh, posted on my Facebook page. You can find it there. Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. I am Brian Lilly, and this is Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. It's just some names that uh, they're destined to be sports stars or country artists. If I say Dirks Bentley, like, did that guy have any choice but to be a country singer? Keith Urban, uh, was that Keith Urban? No, that was Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood. Brad Paisley, Brad Paisley could be a car salesman. Dirks Bentley's got to be a country singer. Baker, what's this guy? Who, who's the guy that went number one in the NFL draft last night? Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield, something like that, yeah. Baker Mayfield. He's got to be a quarterback. Now, unfortunately, he got drafted first by the Cleveland Browns, which means his career will last exactly one season, and then he will either be injured, worn out, a drug addict, something horrible. I mean, that's just the way the... Elsie, have you seen or this? Or just run out of town altogether. Have you seen these shirts that the Cleveland Brown fans wear? I've seen. With the quarterbacks where. Well, that one legendary shirt. Yeah, I've seen that on the internet. And it keeps so, getting updated. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just one person that has this. People in Cleveland, because they've drafted some of the best quarterbacks and they just traded Deshaun Kaiser. Not the best, but Deshaun Kaiser, you know, former Notre Dame quarterback, could have been a, a great uh quarterback in the NFL doing good things, you know, solid workman quarterback, maybe win a championship one day, drafted by them, no backup, brand new rookie, put in to start over and over again, and then yeah, we'll trade him and we'll draft somebody else because we suck so bad that we're going to get number one in the NFL draft. So they draft this guy, Baker Mayfield, from Oklahoma. He was the Sooner. And there are these shirts that have all the great quarterbacks that have been through it, You know, people have the name on the back of the shirt of the, the, you know, the team that they like, 
well, this is like a folding thing. It's like a map yeah. drawn down, and it's got 15 different quarterback names because the Browns are just awful. They're truly awful. I'd like to like them, but it's impossible to like them because they're so bad. Anyway, NHL draft is coming. Well, not the NHL draft, but the draft lottery mm-hmm. is coming up. The Sens are kind of hopeful that they're going to get a Baker Mayfield-type player. What are the odds, though? Well, according to the odds, the odds makers have Ottawa the second-best odds of picking the projected top pick, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, first overall. Hold on. uh, Rasmus Dahlin, that sounds like a kid that's not a good Canadian kid from Kingston. No, but he's Swedish and a very good Swedish defense, and he's getting more hype than Carlson did in his draft year. Okay, so fine. A Swede. Okay, fine. Maybe we've had a bunch of them in Ottawa and they've turned out to be good. All right, so they've got the second best odds? Who's got the best odds? 13.5% Buffalo, who's been struggling for years. I guess you would call them the Cleveland Browns of the NHL maybe. Um, they have an 18.5% chance of picking first. Maybe I heard that song growing up an awful lot. The Sabres dance. For the Buffalo Sabres. Mm. Uh, so they've got eight. And then who, who's who got the, the third best odds there? That would be Arizona at 11.5%. Well, to heck with Arizona. We don't care about them. They're in the freaking desert. It's warm all year. The one thing I do care about with all due respect to you Oilers fans, your team cannot win. Even though they have 5% odds, last year was a good example. Odds don't mean anything. They're, the three teams that won the three lotteries weren't even in the top three. So how do they do this? I mean, it used to be you you finish last, you got top pick. Yeah, doesn't work like that anymore. Frickin' hosers, why not? <laughs> oh, you don't should don't ask piss me off, why not? What, I, what do they do? Uh, it's Talk to I, me like I'm a hockey <laughs> idiot, because I am, even though my bracket's better than yours. Pre- pretty much they don't want to make it a same old situation where the bad teams do bad all the time. All right, so... I mean, eventually you're going to draft up. So they, everyone's names go, you know, the, the bottom teams, how how many? The bottom four, five go into a hat and then they pick? Uh, no, like all the teams that ha- that uh, didn't make the playoffs. So we're at, uh, I believe we're at 15 teams now. 15 a- teams? Yep. Yep. Freaking hosers. Okay. Uh, just before we go to news break at the top of the hour, Winnipeg Jets, they're still ahead. Yeah, um, in the in the first period, they're actually outshot twenty uh, to four. They're up one nothing somehow, and you picked Nashville to advance. I so. picked Nashville to advance because Nashville is a oh, they're a tough team. Mm-hmm. They're and, a tough team. So I picked Nashville over the Jets in this. It's not easy for me to cheer against the Canadian team. I'm not cheering against them. I'm just trying to objectively say what's likely to happen. Just a word of advice, by the way. Um, Here's how the draft lottery is going to work. Before the game, Vegas versus San Jose, 15 through 4 will be picked. And then they're going to leave the top three to the first intermission. And that's when we're going to find out who and, wins. And when's that? Saturday? That is tomorrow night. All right. Saturday. We will catch that. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. 9 o'clock news is next. Then we're back. Your calls, your thoughts, your emails, all of that.
he's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, I'm looking at this uh, Baker Mayfield kid that went first in the NFL draft. I leave those headphones on there, Elsie, because um, you're a young guy, right? You know how you're going to start feeling old? Oh. The people in the draft going at number one, and you're going to be going, he's how old? This kid was born April 14th, 1995. Hmm. Yeah. That number is just going to keep going up and up and up, and yours is going to go in the other direction, and you're going to be going, damn, it could have been me. Did you know that uh, Rasmus Dallin was born in the year 2000? The guy that is- uh, Projected to go first overall in the NHL draft. Really? Yes, that guy. Born wow. in 2000. Wow. Same age as my oldest. Yeah. And you're just gonna... Brother cements your argument, I, I'm just it? telling you that, you know, you, you're what, 25? Yep. You're just going to feel older watching these guys go out and sign multi-million dollar contracts. I feel that way whenever I see uh, the OHL draft. Now, I know that um, you know we've signed you to a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract to opt the board for Beyond the News. <laughs> uh, but you, we, we've got an, a no-trade clause on you, but mm. things could change, I know. Yeah. But, you know, just letting, letting you know that's out there. These guys with their crazy contracts. 23 years old, and you're telling me the kid's going to lead the NHL draft is 18. If 18. Mm-hmm. He might only be 17, I just realized. Wow. That I think if only if they were granted exceptional status, and that's happened on a few occasions, uh, Gretz- but rare, rare does it ever happen. Gretzky started at 17? Yeah. Uh, again, he was one of the rarities. Yeah. Uh, how many of you are looking at this story of the Royal Canadian Mint and the gold being smuggled out and thinking, how do you get it out? Is it like the last time? Am I going to have to hear the word rectum again? Rectum? Darn near killed him. That's what you're all thinking, right? Did they smuggle the gold out in their butt? That was the most bizarre story. And now we've got another guy. He's fired. Accused of smuggling out $100,000 worth of gold. Round pucks. How'd they do it? I don't want to ask. I really, really, I don't, not sure I want to know the details. Maybe he just put it in his pockets and walked out. Who knows? But, you know, I'm thinking darn near killed him. That's what I'm thinking. This story of... Joseph James D'Angelo. Anytime your middle name's used in the news, it's bad. If you ever hear me refer to as Brian James Patrick Lilly, I'm either arrested or my mother's on the air with me. Even just Brian James Lilly. Patrick's my confirmation name. You hear your middle name in the news, it's because of bad things. This Golden State killer suspect, 72 years old. He'd been a cop. He'd been married. 
he looks like he's in a wheelchair in his court appearance. Formally arraigned on two murder charges dating back to 1978, a suspect in 11 other murders, 51 rapes committed across California between 1976 and 1986. You're talking a a manhunt that went more than 40 years. And investigators linked him to DNA left at crime scenes, in part thanks to a genealogy database designed to trace family histories. So I'm guessing it's the Ancestry.ca or Ancestry.com down there that I've used. Thankfully, I you know haven't committed any crimes where they're going to be using DNA. I, I hope they don't use DNA to track me down on speeding tickets. That's the worst that I've done. D'Angelo is apparently on a suicide watch in the psych ward of the county jail in Sacramento. If convicted, he could face the death penalty. It is just a completely, on all fronts, completely bizarre case that is going to fascinate us for years to come. 521-TALK, 521-8255-STAR-580 on Bell Mobility. Not looking for anyone to call in and talk about the Golden State Killer. But what about the fact that we've got the Koreas actually coming together, actually coming together and holding real meaningful conversations when just a few months ago we were being told that I got a bunch of hotheads there. And Donald Trump is going to take us all into nuclear war. I want to express my hope that all of the people of Korea, North Korea and South, can someday live in harmony, prosperity, and peace. And it looks like it could happen. South Korean President Moon Jae-in and the South Korean administration have heaped praise upon Donald Trump for what he has done to help bring this about. Moon Jae-in, by the way, was kind of on the pacifist side of things when he ran for election. He ran on a platform of reconciliation. And the North was having none of it. Trump said, you threaten anyone, we will bring uh, fire and fury down upon you. We will destroy you. Kind of got their attention, didn't it? Mocking him as rocket man, telling him, that he had a bigger, big red button on his desk and that it actually worked, saying that he would annihilate them if they struck out against South Korea, Japan, or any other allies. Something happened. What changed? You can argue with me. You can call up and say, Donald Trump had nothing to do with it and he's still a buffoon. You can argue he's a buffoon and still say that he had something to do with this. It's up to you. But I don't think that you can look at the situation and not say that Donald Trump didn't force these guys to the table. Will it result in what we want at the end? I don't know. I don't know. It's too early to say. Too early to say, especially when you look at the track record of the North Koreans. But what I can say is that Trump is the variable in the equation that changed. 
I remember hearing a description of Ronald Reagan. You remember Reagan coming in in his uh, first inaugural. Iran was still holding the hostages, the American hostages. Canada had spirited a number of them out before that, but as Reagan's being sworn in, they're still holding the American hostages. The news came in during Reagan's inaugural that the hostages had been released. Why? The Iranians were scared that he would do something. They took him seriously. I think that's what's happened here. What about you? 521-TALK, 521-8255. It's not like I don't say these numbers a thousand times a day. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Guy, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. I think we all, I couldn't agree with you more in your statements about being hopeful and that, you know, that there is some past behavior there. But I think collectively we all took a little sigh today. And I think our DEFCOMs all collectively came down a little bit today when we saw those images in Korea. And, uh, you know, I think the world sleeps a bit easier tonight. But did you see the glowing treat, uh, tweet from Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne congratulating Donald Trump? on his successes in Korea? What? Did you see? I, I, I didn't see it either. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, J- Justin Trudeau you know, did put out a nice tweet uh, about J- uh, Donald Trump and the, the joint bid for the, the World Cup. I did see that. Well, maybe we'll see something early next week when the collective gets together. But could you imagine the or Or when Gerald Butts tells him what to think. Oh, they're probably sitting at Rideau Cottage right now, rolling up a fat one. Both of the veins are bulging out of the side of the progressive heads, and they're going, oh, what are we going to do now? And then you got David Hurley sitting with Kathleen Wynne in Toronto going, damn it, what are we going to do now? I don't know what you mean by a fat one, Guy. Are you implying that they smoke pot? At Rideau Cottage? Oh, it's a well-known fact. <laughs> well-known fact, Brian. We all know that. Look, just, just because the it's Prime Minister's admitted to it several times doesn't mean that he does that. When the windows are open and smoke's coming out of it and there's a fire department and the fire department's not there, Brian, what do you think's happening? <laughs> All right, guy. Thanks for the well, call. Hold on, hold yep. on. I'm okay. not finished oh. yet. I love my time with you because, you know, tonight that Jeffrey Johnson, he's a bright young man. He really, really is. I really enjoy when he comes on. Um, he's got a good perspective. As Lowell says, he's got a good good head. Uh, but uh, Candace, so you're telling me there's permanent buildings with air conditioning and uh, well, I've, I've talked about this before. All we see is footage of this one Roxham Road and an RCMP guy helping people with their uh, Louis Vuitton luggage. Why don't we see? <laughs> uh, why don't we see these buildings and everything that Candace is talking about? I think you need to do a road trip, Mister Lilly. It may happen. It just may. You and Dave should go down there and and, and bring some fish and chips. And uh, and talk to some peeps. You know, there's nothing better to get somebody to talk than food. You know, and I must say, it's going to be hard to talk getting Andrew Shear. I don't know how you launch with Andrew Shear and go from there, Brian. But congratulations! I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank but, you very much. But on that note, I think we can all collectively breathe. I, I can't wait to hear Stephen Colbert and all the late night people talk tonight about crickets. I guess, but we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, even the newscasts tonight. Uh, 
grasped at the fact that Donald Trump is attempting to take credit for some of the stuff that's going on in Korea. How dare him? Of course he's going to take credit. He deserves it. I loved watching liberal veins pop out of the side of their heads when stuff like this happens, because it really does show that Teddy Roosevelt said it best. You walk softly and carry a large stick. Or in David Hurley's statement, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Guy. Bye, Brian. Uh, Guy mentioned uh, the, the show beyond uh, Between Brian and Dave. Uh, it's actually going to be delayed by a few days. But sign up for the updates at BetweenBrianAndDave.com. I've been teasing people with photos of fish and chips that I had at Petite Bill's the other day. Been teasing. Stephen's looking hungry through the window now as I talk about this. Uh, sign up for the email updates between Brian and Dave.com. I'll give you another update when we come back, and we'll get to more of your calls, including Wilma, Frank, Dave, and your call at 521 Talk, 521 8255. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, we've got the the best technology here at News Talk 580 CFRA. We've got crack researchers working around the clock to make sure that we have everything that we need to bring you the latest news and information. And they're so good with the technology and with the research that we've actually been able to find reaction to the Sens winning the NHL lottery on the draft lottery tomorrow night before it even happens. (laughs) Uh, sorry, that's actually just Elsie winning a roll up the rim to win earlier on. That may be <laughs> a more extreme version of me if the Sens do win the lottery. That was actually uh, when uh, the Leafs won the draft lottery and a Leafs fan was going absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I he's also a pretty famous like uh, Maple Leaf fan too, Steve Dangle. I don't know if you heard of him. He's a, he's a podcast guy like me, only 10 times more famous. Okay, well, we'll have to boost your fame a little bit. <laughs> If I only had people that followed me for hockey. Wilma, you are on Beyond the News. Wilma, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Well, at least I get a laugh when I turn the CFR. Sometimes we need a laugh in the world. Eh? Well, that, well, that's why I'm playing the, you know, the, 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 the yeah, Sens guy freaking out for winning. You know, you got to have funny. fun. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say hooray for Donald Trump. That he was really very strong when he went to South Korea and he he made a speech. I don't know if you heard it. And I thought, how many people would have the nerve to speak what he said for the North Koreans? He was very strong. And I thought, good for him. At least he's raising a standard, you know, against some things that were wrong. And uh, it seems like we're getting some solutions now. As a result, you know, a month later, which is good. You know, I... I, I feel that. I don't disagree with you. It was yes. um, last fall Trump went to South Korea. Yes. Uh, late October sort was of thing. Was it October? It was late October, early well, I November. It was I, just this year. I, no, it was late October, early was early November. I didn't uh, know I d- I don't, when it was. I don't know the, the exact timeline, but... No. 
he uh, he went there, and as you say, he was he spoke. I he was bold. I couldn't believe what he said. It was wonderful. I said I would clap real hard if I was there. Okay. He was bold and he was clear, which is too yes. often lock- lacking in politics. Yeah. Yes. You know, people need to speak their mind and say where they stand. I- I'd have more respect for Justin Trudeau if he just came out and said, well, you know what? I don't like pipelines. I actually don't even like Canada. I want us to be a Scandinavian socialist republic. And I'd like us to get rid of the monarchy in Britain and our constitution and yeah. all these things. Be if honest. he was honest yeah. with what yeah. he wants, and that's what I think he wants, yes. then I'd be fine with it, Wilma. Well, but, of course, of course. But, you know, he can't do that. He's all he's in limbo most of the time. Yeah. In dreamland. <laughs> and I'm praying for him, so I think he might turn around. Who knows? Well, unfortunately, I think he's going to get a second term. Well, um, I don't think so. So I hope your prayers kick in if he does. Oh, I don't think he will get a second term. Just watch well, it. So he, I, I laid this out at my website, uh, Wilma. Yeah. And a- anyone can go check it out, com. Yes. The latest poll, and we'll wait and see what the other polls say, but the latest polls yes. have Trudeau and the Liberals ahead of the Conservatives. Uh, and not because Andrew Scheer isn't doing a good job. Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives are leading in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. It's a shame. And they're very tight in Ontario. Yeah. But the NDP vote has been cut in half because people don't like Jagmeet Singh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so the NDP voters are going to the Liberals. Yeah. So now we need Liberal voters to say, I'm fed up with this guy and go to the Conservatives oh, or they're not going to win. Well, we'll see what happens, but there will be a change. Uh, I for hope the, so. For the better. All right. Thanks for the call, All Wilma. Right, thank you. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility or one eight hundred five eight zero CFRA. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Do I see a ship in the harbor? Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk five eighty CFRA. All right, we just came out of a news update, but still breaking news from the CTV News Center. Dylan Dyson, the Raptors, tell me what's up. Yes, Brian, the Raptors have advanced to the second round of the NBA Eastern Conference playoffs. They defeated the Washington Wizards in Game 6, 102-92. to It is the third season in a row they have advanced to the second round, finally snapping their, uh, their moniker of choke artists. Almost well, in the second round. You know, after a bad night, what was that? Uh, that was two nights ago, so that would have been Wednesday, where the Leafs and Toronto FC both lost. Yeah. Um, bigger heartbreak, I think, for Toronto FC. I mean, they, they just losing on penalty shots after winning in Guadalajara in Mexico. Uh, it, good, good news for Toronto sports fans. It was a long road for Toronto, and it was a heartbreaking loss. But this is something the city can rally behind after a very tough week, and... Uh, the Raptors are projected to go far in this year's playoffs. All right, let's hope so. Thanks so much, Dylan. Thank you. And uh, Ottawa Fury, is it their second or third game tomorrow? They got a home game. So I think it's their third game, but their second home game tomorrow. So if you are looking for something fun to do tomorrow, if you haven't been to an Ottawa Fury game, they're up against FC Cincinnati tomorrow. 
go check it out. It is an awful lot of fun. It is like the like the 67s, I say. You know, you've got the sporting event, but they put on so many things to entertain. It's really, it's geared towards families. It's geared towards kids. There's so much going on. Go check it out tomorrow if you can. Kick off at 2 p.m. tomorrow at TD Place. And you won't be sorry. You will not be sorry. Trust me. Jamie in Canada. Jamie, you are on Beyond the News. Hey, what's going on, Brian? Well, you know, the Raptors are through. Uh, Ottawa Fury is playing uh, tomorrow. And uh, the two sides of uh, Korea, the last holdout for from the Cold War, getting together. Life's good. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with you on that. And uh, I, I, I was, uh, I was listening to what the guy was saying uh, before, and I, I, I agree with him. I love seeing uh, liberal veins bursting of the whole idea that uh, Trump is uh, getting credit for this, and he, uh, they he totally can't does. stand it. They and, can't stand uh, that Donald Trump is getting credit for anything. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I, I was looking at the, the CNN uh, homepage uh, earlier. And there's nothing. If you click on their world link, then, yeah, you'll see stuff about North Korea. But uh, on the link that I saw, there was nothing on their main page. All it is is about Russia collusion and the NSA is collecting Russian documents and uh, all that, all the same political baloney that uh, they're trying to skew out. And I just I just laugh at it. It's, it's hilarious to me. And no one's talking about it. They don't want to admit it. And I would love to see what the late night hosts have to say about that tonight. I do not have the sound of crickets chirping. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, look, they, this started the other day, and they were talking about Kanye West being Trump's only black supporter. Yeah, yeah which is racist. That's racist. Yeah, well, you know, there's certain types of racism that is uh, considered acceptable, I suppose. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, the bigotry of low expectations. You know, it's... Yeah. For me, it's like to say that oh, that's uh, his only black uh, supporter. That's, that's uh, things ridiculous. have changed very radically from. Hold on, well, sorry, that's to... my computer going off. <laughs> that's all good, Brian. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's just ridiculous for for them to say that. If you were to look in the polls, like when the American election happened, he had the highest minority uh, voting out of all the Republicans or the past uh, three Republican uh, presidency or. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, election. Mm-hmm. So he got more minority uh, votes than the past three, like Mitt Romney. and uh, yeah, but, but, yeah. Mitt, Mitt Romney's a nice, reasonable guy now to the establishment yeah. media. When he was running, he was Hitler. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, just, exactly. just always remember that. I'm not being uh, flip here. Nope. When you are the conservative or Republican candidate, the media determines that you are Hitler. And then once you're no longer running, you should be listened to, especially if you say something they like. So Preston Manning here in Canada saying we have to have carbon pricing. Now the media loves Preston Manning. Yeah. I remember when they hated Preston Manning. Right now they hate Stephen Harper. If Stephen Harper ever says something that is on side, I doubt he ever will, with the establishment media, they will love him. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when he was running, he was Hitler. When Mitt Romney was running, he was Hitler. When John McCain was running, he's a war hero, but he's also Hitler. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when uh, when the first uh, Syrian chemical attack happened, uh, 
and uh, Trump retaliated with the, or I should say the U.S. military retaliated with uh, the 50 uh, cruise missiles. They loved it. The, the, the mainstream media and CNN were like, yay, great, you know, we're doing something in Syria. And it's just like, oh, all of a sudden now you, now you like Trump or something that, you know, you're supporting war, basically. And I, I'm more of a libertarian-minded where it's like, no, we, we have no business there. But no, I'm not, I don't mean to deviate off topic, but it's just it just shows how hypocritical the leftist media are. And they just they just love to hear themselves talk. And it's it's funny to hear them just, like you said, crickets. Right now, they're talking about Stormy Daniels and White House chaos on CNN. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Jamie. No, thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. Let's go to Dave. Dave, you're on Beyond the News. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I've had a couple of quick things before I get to my topic. Um, you said your name was uh, Brian James Patrick. That would be correct. I am David Patrick James. So good men. Good yeah. men think alike. I was, I was named after my mother, actually. Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, no. Uh, actually, I got a twin brother. My dad My dad was Donald Joseph. So, my, I mean, my dad was Thomas Joseph. My twin brother is Donald Joseph. My mom was Sheila Patricia. So I'm David Patrick. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was named after my mother. Um, sad day in, in all, all of the city. I was walking around last night doing business and banking and shopping and so on. And I've never seen such a sad, sad day. All those Leaf fans with their jerseys on and the black armbands. <laughs> you didn't see one, did you? <laughs> no, but it's a nice way. It's nice to look at it that way. Um, the, the the guy at the mint, uh, I think he had a really good crack operation going there. Except oh got, no, no, I don't want to think about it. Except he got caught. He he could have got a whole lot more gold. Oh no, but wrecked the, him. Dan near killed him. <laughs> the topic I was going to talk about was Ford, and I didn't get a chance to mention the last time. We've talked. They've talked about the audits and commissions and investigations. I just want to say one thing about whatever it is they do. They had better leave the option open to discover and press criminal charges if required, because far too often they they limit the scope and and the follow-up from those kinds of things. And unless they leave the scope for follow-up to do what should be done, then it's just. Uh, okay, we found it. There you go. Enough said. I don't know what the provincial law is. I'll tell you up front, I'm not a fan of inquiries at all. Don't like them. I didn't want one called against Mulroney. I didn't want one called in missing and murdered indigenous women, not because I don't care about these issues, but because at the federal level, if you find wrongdoing, you're not actually allowed uh, to use that information for criminal charges. So Gomery, they found all kinds of wrongdoing. Yeah. But the RCMP had to find that information out separately, and they couldn't use anything that they learned from reading the the newspaper to actually lead to that. Well, that's why... Because it blocks them. So I don't know if the same rule applies at the provincial level. A commission of inquiry makes people feel good and accomplishes nothing. Well, that's why I say Ford should be very careful that whatever method he chooses allows for some follow-up, and yeah. then doesn't just say, okay, there's the fact, thank that, you. That's a good question to ask yeah, about the, I, the provincial law, because yeah. if the provincial law is like the federal, then if you call an official inquiry, you can't use it, but maybe, maybe there's a way to call something different. Or yeah, that's yeah. why I said it, of the choices open to him as to how to delve into this. Hire Sheila Fraser. Find the one that's going to leave the door open for follow-up. Hire Sheila Fraser. Good idea. All right. Thanks for the call, Dave. 
Let's go to uh, who's been waiting longest. Uh, Frank, you're on Beyond the News. How you doing there, Brian? Very oh, well. Long time no here. Yep. Yeah, like Dave, you know, he's got uh, the right sense. Like uh, the Leafs uh, should have won that. <laughs> you know? Well, they should have, but they didn't. Oh, my God, they blew it in the third period. Oh, my God, they had the opportunity of their lives uh, to get into the Stanley Cup, for God's sake. Well, we got Winnipeg, at least. We got Winnipeg, yeah, although I did pick Nashville into. to beat them. Yeah, well, that's going to be difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're a tough team. A lot of ki- good Canadian kids. Yeah, but So you you're know, calling like in Dave, about Korea, though? What are your thoughts on Korea there, Frank? Yeah, like Dave's uh, correct. Like, you know, he's got good ideas there. Like, uh, you know, it's good then uh, get together, you know, no doubt with the uh, economy. Like, you know, they make uh, good cars. And now, what's your thoughts on Hyundai, Korea, though? Like Hyundai, I believe. Yeah. They make uh, good quality vehicles. Okay, but that well. has nothing to do with North Korea and uh, and, and the bringing them Canadian, together. Canadian uh, marketing and uh, let's say American marketing, like you know, towards uh, you know possessing uh, you know at least an agreement like with Trump. Let's say uh, he made a good you know it's a good thing. You know, I, we can all work together and uh, no wars, well, no let- bombs, no. Let let's hope that hey. uh, let's hope that Trump's uh, hardline yeah. stance has worked. Thanks for the call, Frank. Right on. Thanks. All right, five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Back with your calls, your thoughts right after this. On the news with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580 CFRA. Oh my. I didn't know about this. Elsie, did you know about this? I don't go to Spark Street often. There's a poutine fest on Spark Street right now. Apparently it runs until Sunday. I didn't know about this. Just got an email from one of the staff. I was looking through emails from one of the staff members here. We got poutine fest on Spark Street. By the way, you you heard the promo for iHeartRadio. Well, we've got... A second version of iHeartRadio, okay? So if you downloaded it before, delete the old one, unless you've already downloaded iHeartRadio 2.0. They've updated it. You've got a 1,000 radio stations. You've got more than 100 commercial-free radio stations. You've got podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience. They just interviewed Michael Hunter, the chef behind the the restaurant in Toronto being protested by the vegans' uh, antler. All of that is on iHeartRadio 2.0. But if you have not downloaded 2.0, the old one's going to stop working. And it's a great way if you're traveling to be able to listen to this show and anything else on CFRA plus whatever else grabs your attention. It's fantastic and complete digital sound. So if you got an old, you know, junky AM radio and you want a better way to listen, try this. 
Uh, let's go to Taz. Taz, you're on Beyond the News. Go. Yes, uh, hello. Sorry. Uh, yes, hello. Um, well, Winnipeg is doing well. It's actually one over uh, zero over Nashville, so uh, go Jets. Uh, it says 3 nothing now at the end of the second. Oh, really? I must yeah. be watching something that's a little older. I was I thought it was 1-0 to zero, uh, Nashville. Yeah, uh, no, 3 nothing for the, for the Jets at this point, so wow. they're doing well. Well, that's something to look forward. I mean, none of the other Canadian teams have actually managed to get there. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that wild? They haven't won since, a Canadian team hasn't won since 1993. Well, this is also a team that went uh, that went aloof, right? They they went. I believe it was a few years ago. They uh, they uh, went under and they they weren't playing, and then uh, they came back in a couple of years. So, did they go to Phoenix? LZ did. Yeah, Winnipeg went to Phoenix. That's uh, the Phoenix Coyotes. That was uh, uh, the old Winnipeg Jets. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I think this is my favorite team. I know I should say <laughs> to Nashville, but this is my new team, and uh, I'll be rooting for them, and I'll be watching every game from now on every time the Winnipeg Jets plays. But um, other than that, I wanted to get back to the news. You know, um, there was this Panda thing where uh, Justin Trudeau and uh, Stephen Harper both, you know, they would, they would, when they had diplomacy with China, they would play with these panda bears, and the media would look, and somebody put, did a post on YouTube and how the media treats how Stephen Harper uh, relates to the panda bear and how Trudeau. And you look at the, the media with uh, the Kim, with uh, North Korea, and how mm-hmm. they're not giving a lot of praise. They're not, they're not jumping in their seat. They're not, as when Trudeau did the uh, speech at the French uh, legislature, I think it was last week. Yeah. Um, which I kind of quite find interesting, or when Trudeau meets the Queen, they, they really go nuts over this. And... But when, well, because you know, he's such a good-looking, handsome guy, there, Taz. Well, I mean, I think it's all about celebrity. I think I think Trudeau is all about celebrity. It's nothing about substance, and uh, I find that cable television has gotten worse over that. Um, and I think it's been biased. I mean, you you know about the uh, the whole thing with the scientist, as, as Stephen Harper. Oh, he muzzled the scientist. Well, now we have Justin Trudeau muzzling, from what I hear. The border patrol uh, uh, people and, and the scientists. The scientists the aren't speaking up either. Well, have you I, heard I the scientists so. speak up? No, they haven't. Well, that's. I, I think he's muzzling them, and uh, I think. Um, I think uh, he, he's he's threatening to lose. I, I don't know. I, I was told that they were. He was the, the border police are being threatened to either yep. be quiet or be. Oh, no, they are. They are. Which is which is yeah, which is unfortunate, and so you see that, and uh, you don't hear a lot of crit- critique in the media of that, and then you have Tory now saying we need uh, more help in the government because we're going to house these refugees or we're going to be housing them in hotels, and, and and I don't know if that's an outcry, but I'm actually shocked uh, that that doesn't play in the media in the media liberal favor, but they, they haven't been mentioning this big time in, in in the media or even have a debate on this even. And if they have a debate, they have liberals saying, "Well, we have to do this. We have to." There's never really you never see a real debate on this uh, on, on 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 any of the channels. Look, if a liberal does it, it's good. If a conservative does it, it's bad. Well, this brings me to another point. I think we're missing also stuff that's going on. Um, the whole thing with the van, I think that was a moral issue. Um, it, you know, people are saying it may is a charge attack. I, I, you know, the guy hated women. Uh, well, some of the victims were men, and maybe the majority of them were women. But I, I, I think somebody could have brought it up and said, look, this might be a morality issue. 
You know, this this guy comes, you know, we, we, we have uh, right to die legislation, unfettered abortion, and, you know, some somebody could have made that uh, statement, but no one did. And I come to this uh, news about Alfie Evans. You probably heard about this yep. boy who, and no, nothing, nothing in the Canadian media. It was mentioned on Fox. Um, we we talked about it last media. night. I talked to Margaret Somerville, bioethicist, about it. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, I'm glad you did, uh, and I, I think it needs to be talked about because I think what people are afraid is is that the government, uh, with the direction of children in in the UK and and in all those European countries, Canada's a signature to that, is that the state has the right of the child. Wow. So they're acting in the, in the in the child's best interest. It goes over parental rights, which is and, really which is what I'll fight. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. I got to run to get a couple more calls. Thanks for your call, no as always, Taz. All right, let's go to uh, Gloria. Gloria, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, thank you. Hi, Brian. Listen, what is the name of that, uh, the last name of the, of the murder, this Alex... Uh, uh, Al- Alec Manassian. Oh, Manassian. Okay. Yes, well, the thing is, he is a mass murderer. You know, yep. it, it's said that he may have psychological problems, but he was sane enough to plan his uh, murderous attack using a rented van, and he was also smart enough and sane enough to duplicate a copycat terrorist attack on innocent people using that van. And, uh, and Asperger's is not a psychological problem. And Was he diagnosed with Asperger's? People have come out and said he had Asperger's. That is not a psychological problem. Asperger's does not lead you to kill other people. No, it, well, exactly. But but I had also heard that that he there's a psycholo- he had psychological problems. So with this, there's so many different things going around. But the, the the thing is, the bottom line is he, he is a mass murderer, and and the, the attack was mainly uh, rather ten people killed. Eight of them were 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 women, and two were men. So this was obviously aimed at the women. And yep. this type, now this type of murderous, to me, it's a, a murderous vehicle terrorist attack is aimed uh, aimed at innocent people. This has happened several times in in uh, different European countries. So uh, to me, it's, it's a copycat. Uh, well, so act. he, to me, what he did, Gloria, is he took the um, the style of attack mm-hmm. that we've seen so often in mm-hmm. Europe yep. by the likes of ISIS. And then applied it to his own ends. Oh, exactly. And exactly. It's, it, it's frightening, but anybody can do that for whatever grievance, real or perceived, mm-hmm. that they have. Yep. This and, guy sickens me, and in hearing Joe oh. Warmington's description of him going into the jail sickens me even more. Yes. And also, he was he he was smart enough and sane enough to drive down Young Street, which is one of the busiest streets in in all of Canada. Well, if you heard this. Copycat. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, Glory. And if you heard some of the uh, people that went to school with them giving interviews, they said, I'm amazed he could drive anything, never mind through that. Uh, last word goes to Michelle tonight. Michelle, you're on Beyond the News. Go. Hey, Brian, are you a fan of Seinfeld? Uh, absolutely. So you love the Drake? You got to love the Drake? Well, I love the Trump. I got to love the Trump. And not just for what he's done with Korea, but for the mother of all bombs, like in Afghanistan that seems to have stopped ISIS uh, for moving the capital of, of uh, the embassy in Jerusalem um, and for ending the pay to slay and for the uh, his response to the chemical weapons. Look at 
you can hate his guts and you can think he's a buffoon, but he's pretty darn good. And he seems to be able, I think he's so far ahead. I think with one hand, he throws out a bunch of salacious stories and stuff. And with another hand, he throws something. He's got all these smoke bombs and he's straight up the middle. He just keeps moving. So everyone's off paying attention to Stormy Daniels, to Russia collusion. And he just keeps getting things done. Not everything he wants done, but no president ever does. You know, Brian, in a few years, in 20 years, if somebody came out with a story and said, you know, the truth was that Trump set up that whole Stormy Daniels just to distract the media, it wouldn't surprise me. I'd say that guy is brilliant. And I know I'm really stretching. I know there's people there groaning and want to drive off the road, but I really think he's fantastic. And if you compare him to to Trudeau, I mean, Trump is the growing up in (laughs) the country. You know, Trudeau is just... Isn't there a book right now in Quebec circulating about how they dislike him? Isn't there something that's called something selfie? uh, A a selfie with Justin Trudeau. It's a book about um, his relationship with Stéphane Dion, written by one of uh, Dion's uh, former top advisors. Well, you know, if if, uh, Mr. Scheer and Mr. Bernier make up, kiss and make up, if I was Andrew, I'd tell tell Maxine, I'd say, you go and you work that province or your people, you get them behind us. And I'm with Wilma. I am praying for one term because, you know, from what you hear every time you scour, it seems that more and more people are waking up to the stupidity that just pours out of his mouth constantly. It's not a one trip, you know. Every time he opens his mouth, he shows how empty he is. And so are the majority of his people around him. And again, you know, blow your nose and make room for your brain because these people are just amazing, just so dancing to their own music. They're, you know, and I'll be really surprised how we do on NAFTA if we really actually, you know, make any strides or, or anything that really benefits us. I have no faith in any of them. And we'll, one we'll, thing we'll see how it goes. I, I'm up against the clock here, Michelle. Okay, well, then I'll say goodnight to you, but I would like to say that you should get Dave his own drum roll. Some of those jokes were good. (laughs) All right, thanks for the call. That wraps the show for tonight and for the week. Thanks to all of you for calling, emailing, participating. Thanks to Stephen Ellsworth for making me sound good throughout the week. It's a tough job. Back at it again on Monday. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Uh, Check out brianlilly.com over the weekend, and remember, I'm on your side.